turbulent times call for clear-headed insight. That's hard to come by these days, especially on TV. That's where we come in. Salem News Channel has the greatest collection of conservative minds all in one place. People you know and trust, like Dennis Prager, Eric Metaxas, Charlie Kirk, and more. Unfiltered, unapologetic truth. Find what you're searching for at snc.tv and on Local Now Channel 525. Welcome to His Life Revealed with Pastor Todd Granger of His Life Fellowship in San Antonio, Texas. We're glad you've chosen to join us today. Our passion at His Life Ministries is to help believers know Him and show Him. So we keep it simple. It's just about Jesus. Our prayer is that the Holy Spirit will make His truth plain to you so you can walk in freedom and enjoy the life of union that God has designed for you to live. And now, here's Pastor Todd. Love of God would not only uh, fill the sky, but the love is only one attribute. The truth is, God can't be contained. Who He is can't be contained. He cannot be fathomed. He cannot be reasoned. He cannot be understood. We are blessed because we have His Spirit that gives us just a very small picture of the truth of our God. We are even more blessed because His Spirit allows us to function in the character of God. We are even more blessed that we get to participate in the truth of God, both in word and in deed. We are even more blessed that our hearts are completely compatible with Him and lined up in his will so that he has placed his desires in our hearts we know him better than the angels who stand before him we walk in union with his life what a beautiful gift he's given us through his spirit now we're going back to hebrews chapter 11 And uh, we're going to uh, repeat some things that I said last week, and then we'll get right into verses 8 through 19. Now, as I said, it is clear from Scripture that faith, faith that is not first acquired and known in salvation, and then experienced in a determined daily communion that results in obedience is not truly faith. The Hebrews had not matured in faith. They were carnal, living in self-centered religious Christianity. And that self-centered religious Christianity gave them a, a sense of relationship, but was not the substance of it. They had worship, but it was really not in spirit and in truth. You know, when we gather here, we gather here in the body, but what's most important is that we gather here in the spirit. 
Because the one thing that we share as new creations is the union with the Spirit of God. And He gathers us together. And we are to make our bodies living sacrifices and instruments of truth. And when when God commands us, do not forsake the assembly of yourselves together, He is talking about making the body by your will, coming forward in truth, bearing witness of the truth within you by gathering together in worship. Now, you can go to all kinds of things without the spirit of worship. But what the Spirit of God assumes is when His people gather together, that they will worship Him in spirit because anything else is not worship. And that they'll worship Him in truth, which means they will be participating in the fullness of truth that the Spirit of God brings to us by reason of His union with us. So, they gathered together, but their worship was not in spirit and truth. They had begun to wed their focus on the temporal with a tempted faith in eternal living. They had meshed their eternal living with worldly thinking. And the works of the flesh made them feel righteous in a legalistic way. And they were holding on to the salvation that they had received through Christ. But they weren't walking according to the Spirit of God. So the Spirit of God is calling these believers back to faith. And that's really the issue. Because what happens when you move away from truth, you move away from faith. And when you move away from faith, you become influenced by all kinds of things, just like they were. They were being drawn back into Judaism. They were being drawn back into the practice of religion, rather than into the relationship that God had called them to. And they were distracted by the culture of religion. And it was real easy for them to drift back in because they had no mooring. They did not have their anchor going behind the veil. They had their anchor in their works, in their identity. So the Spirit of God is calling them to faith. In chapter 6, I read this to you last week, he tells him to look at Abraham's diligence. Look at the diligence of Abraham in faith. His determination to be obedient to his calling. In Hebrews 6, verses 11 through 12, he says, And we desire for each one of you to show the same diligence all the way through so as to realize and enjoy the full assurance of hope until the end so that you will not be spiritually sluggish but will instead be imitators of those who through faith lean on God with absolute trust and confidence in him and in his power and by patient endurance even when suffering are now inheriting the promises. You see, the same diligence that we're going to see in Abraham's life, God has called you to. The same faith that Abraham was called to is the faith that he has empowered you to live in. And if you don't, if you set it aside, if you determine the practice of faith is, is, is religious activity then you will become spiritually sluggish. You will become carnal in your relationship. And God says, I've called you to something so much better. 
I didn't call you into something that was lesser. I didn't call you into the works. I didn't call you into trying to please me like other religions have. I didn't call you with trying to set yourself up as a shining star before men. I called you to stand in truth that I would put in you as life. I called you to live in obedience to the momentum of your new creation being. It's my desire for you. It's your blessing. Now, apart from faith, these Hebrews would never endure. Apart from faith, they would become spiritually sluggish and lethargic. They were beginning to suffer persecution, and that would grow steadily worse. These examples of faith are being given to remind them of what it means to actually live by faith. Now, the evidence of our new life is seen in the fullness of faith. It is seen in our profession. It is seen in our daily walk. It is seen in our obedience. True Christianity is living out of the fullness of Christ's life. It cannot, as I said last week, it cannot be compartmentalized. True Christianity is evidenced by constancy. So in illustrating faith, our author has been given the names of their Old Testament heroes in chapter 11. And he starts at the very beginning in Genesis with the record of Abel, who demonstrates faith in worship. And then Enoch, who illustrates faith by an intimate, consistent walk with God that translates him into heaven. And then he names Noah, who illustrates the work of faith that is unreservedly displayed in his obedience. After the flood in Genesis, the author points to the next example of faith, which is Abraham. Now this would be big for those Hebrew believers, because they were raised on Abraham. We're going to get a glimpse of his enduring faith, maturing faith, faith that has God himself as its object. It's a very interesting study because Abraham goes into this like an infant. He doesn't know God. He's never met God. He doesn't know these words like faith. He doesn't understand them. The fact is, Abraham was an idolater like his father before him. So he really doesn't get this. It's not something he is considered as an option for the way he lives. God literally called him out of this lifestyle. What we see out of this living and what we see is a maturing faith, an enduring faith, a faith that ages with him. A faith that grows as he grows older and gets stronger as he gets weaker. That is the faith you've been called to. So Abraham is a great example. Now Abraham is said to have lived somewhere between 2165 B.C. and 1990 B.C. To about 1990 B.C. That's a span. And that's about 2,000 years past creation. And Abraham is called great by God and man. He is called the friend of God, both in the Old Testament and the New Testament. Three times he is said to be the friend of God. He is considered great in Islam. His name appears in the Koran 180 times. He is great in Judaism as the father of Israel. And he is great in Christianity as the father of all who believe. Romans 4 verse 11. 
And Paul uses Abraham to illustrate justification by faith alone, apart from works. He calls all who believe sons of Abraham in Galatians. Galatians 3, 7 says, So understand that it is the people who live by faith with confidence and power in the power and goodness of God who are the true sons of Abraham. And then chapter 3, verse 29 says, And if you belong to Christ, if you are in him, then you are Abraham's descendants, the spiritual heirs according to God's promise. Now Hebrews 11 has more to say about Abraham than any of the other examples that he names. Abraham is repeatedly used by the Spirit of God to illustrate faith, particularly to the Jews. And that is what our author is seeking to establish, because Judaism was never about works. Whenever God institutes truth in your life, whenever he brings truth into your life, the enemy wants to relegate it to the flesh. He always wants to reduce it to a work of flesh. In fact, he'll scare you away from what God has called you to by reducing it to a, to a requirement of your flesh. But God never makes any requirement upon your flesh except that you yield it. That's it. Every requirement, every commandment of God is made to the new creation being that is perfectly suited for it. We can go forward in obedience because obedience is a revelation of all that God has done within us. Obedience is our gift. It is our educator that shows us what this new body is about, what this new creation is about. We should never look down upon obedience. The author is seeking to establish that Judaism was never about works. It was always a matter of faith. Stephen, in his message to unbelieving Jews shortly before he's stoned, in Acts 7, begins with Abraham. And as we mentioned before, Paul repeatedly points to Abraham. Abraham was a man who chose to believe against everything he had known from birth. He had chose to believe God against everything he had known from birth. And we're going to get into how much of that, but we can't possibly conceive of this. He, was liter he literally had to walk away from everything, every mooring, every understanding, every concept, what concepts he had of God's, plural. He had to walk away from that. His family... They were polytheists. They too were idolaters. So let's look at Hebrews 11, verses 8 through 19. And if you would, please stand with me as we read our text. Hebrews 11, verses 8 through 19. By faith, Abraham, when he was called by God, obeyed by going to a place which he was to receive as an inheritance... And he went, not knowing where he was going. By faith, he lived as a foreigner in the promised land, as in a strange land, living in tents as nomads with Isaac, Jacob, and the fellow heirs of the same promise. For he was waiting expectantly and confidently, looking forward to the city which has foundations, an eternal 
heavenly city, whose architect and builder is God. By faith, even Sarah herself received the ability to conceive a child even when she was long past the normal age for it, because she considered him who had given her the promise to be reliable and true to his word. So from one man, though he was physically as good as dead, were born as many descendants as the stars of heaven in number, and innumerable as the sands of the seashore. All these died in faith, guided and sustained by it, without receiving the tangible fulfillment of God's promises, only having seen, anticipated them, and having welcomed them from a distance, and having acknowledged that they were strangers and exiles on the earth. Now those who say such things make it clear that they are looking for a country of their own. And if they had been thinking of that country from which they departed as their home, they would have had a continuing opportunity to return. But the truth is that they were longing for a better country that is a heavenly one. For that reason, God is not ashamed of them or to be called their God, even to be surnamed their God, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. For he has prepared a city for them. By faith, Abraham, when he was tested, that is, as the testing of his faith was still in progress, offered up Isaac. And he who had received the promises of God was ready to sacrifice his only son of promise, to whom it was said through Isaac, Your descendants shall be called. For he considered it reasonable to believe that God was able to raise Isaac even from among the dead. Indeed, in the sense that he was prepared to sacrifice Isaac in obedience to God, Abraham did receive back from the dead, figuratively speaking. May God bless the reading of his word. You may be seated. Now I realize that that is a lot of scripture to take on for one message. But I know that the Spirit of God is faithful to bring the truth in little or in much. And that's what we're counting on today. So let's return to verse 8. By faith, Abraham, when he was called by God, obeyed by going to a place which he was to receive as an inheritance. And he went, not knowing where he was going. How did he go? By faith. The natural result of faith is always obedience. So when Abraham was called, he obeyed. When God called, he obeyed. It was a call for him to give up his life to living in dependence with a D. It was a call to living in absolute reliance upon a God he just met. It was a call to lay the whole of his existence in the hand of God that he really didn't know. That's what it was a call to. When God called Abram, he was living in the city of Ur, which is located in what we now know as Iraq. Genesis chapter 12, verses 1 through 3. 
Now, I don't know if we can grasp the enormity of the faith that Abraham demonstrated in his obedience, not to say that his faith was any greater than what we possess, but it demonstrates, and I want you to see this, it demonstrates the faith that you possess. Okay? Abraham was living in Ur in the Euphrates Valley, Acts 7-2. And God called him out of all that was familiar to him. And God called him away from his family and his home to a land that God would give him. Okay? We don't know all that Abraham left behind, but it's literally what God is doing is uprooting his life, and he is uprooting his life for a God that he just met. Now, Ur is reported today, right now, of consisting of a mud hotel in a very dirty little city. So you might go there today and say, well, that was pretty much a no-brainer for Abraham. But it wasn't like that in Abraham's day. In Abraham's day, Ur was a flourishing commercial city. It was known for its well-established, rich culture and was very prosperous. The city was absolutely, completely pagan. And they worshipped many gods, as did Abraham's father, Joshua 24.2. They no doubt had an established trade there and lifelong friends. They had homes, routines, and relationships. And Abraham, like all who live according to the flesh, was a willing victim of his culture when God called him out. God called Abraham to himself. He was called to separate himself from his culture and to leave every influence that surrounded him. Abraham owed his salvation to the election of God. He had done nothing to deserve God's grace. It was God who chose Abram and brought him out of Ur and gave him the name Abraham, Nehemiah 9, 7. Abraham was 75 years old and well-established in life when he answered the call of God. And I want you to notice that in this verse, that God brought him out. Now here's the thing, folks. It was God who empowered his faith. Now he could have turned it down, but God empowered it. It was God who empowered his body to be obedient. It was God who brought him out of that place of, of paganism. It was God who led him away. And it was God who gave him the confidence to trust and obey. Abraham wasn't born an exceptional individual. I'm sure he had gifts, he had talents. I'm sure he was established in some way or another in this world. But God called him out of everything that was established in this world. God called him out of the culture that he had lived in all his life. God called him away from all of the beliefisms and mores that he had held to. God called him into a complete and absolute life of dependence upon a God that he just met. Now, if you don't think that's miraculous, you don't know what miraculous is. It was absolutely the work of God. 
Now why am I bringing that out? Because everything that God has called you to, He has perfectly equipped you for. And I don't care whether you're 75 or 95, you are perfectly equipped to be obedient to all that God has put in your path. You see, you won't leave this earth ill-equipped to do what God has called you to. You won't come to the end of your life and say, Gee, I wish I had the strength to be obedient. You are strong in the Lord. And you are able to do all that He has called you to. Because faithful is He who called you, Thessalonians, who will also what? Do it. That's right. He had to leave everything behind. God brought him out. Now, there's a lot of things we don't want to let go of. And there's things that are hard for us. There are things that we have our identity placed in. And we we have a hard time letting go of. You need to say, God has brought me out. I don't have to cling to that anymore. I don't have to find significance in that anymore. God has brought me out. My significance is not in this world. It is not in the things of this world. It is not in the culture of this world. It's not in anything that is temporal. It is in who He has made me to be. That is where I am significant. Genuine saving faith is always obedient faith. And Paul uses the phrase, the obedience of faith in Romans. But Jesus declares in Matthew, Matthew seven twenty one, He says, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. You can't do the will of the Father apart from the Spirit of God. And you can't enter into the will of the Father apart from faith. That's why Jesus made this statement. Obedience is the fruit, and faith will call you every time to a singular focus. Hear me. To a singular focus. That is faith. If you find your focus divided, I don't care how righteous you may think it is, it is a distraction from what you've been called to. Thank you for joining us for His Life Revealed with Pastor Todd Granger. This program is the radio ministry of His Life Fellowship in San Antonio, Texas. If you'd like to know more about us, visit us on the web at hislifeministries.org or on Facebook at His Life Fellowship. We would love to have you join us for worship. We meet on Saturdays at 5 p.m. at 1307 Blanco Woods at the corner of Blanco Road and Blanco Woods just inside Loop 1604. Also, if you would like to help support this ministry, you can send your tax-deductible donation to His Life Ministries, P.O. Box 1894, Bernie, Texas, 78006.